All right, we're back at it. Thank you again. Um, I'm going to trust everyone's all checked out and ready to go. We were going to go ahead and get into part four. I'll pull my notes up again. Part four, this is our final section and final session, and it's going to talk about his provision and our victory. His provision and our victory. Um, and as a quick note as well, too, right after this, we will be doing our, our closeout, and uh, we have uh, prizes that are available for those who are eagerly waiting. You want me to take this stuff out the uh, No, we, we'll take care of it. We just discussed the episode in Scripture pertaining to Abram, Sarai, and Hagar, which revealed a lapse in faith for Abram and Sarah. Uh, that promised them that if they would have had that they would have had their own children, but they had a lapse in faith. I refer to it as a lapse in faith because of what God had said to Abraham in Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. He said, After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me? Since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram continued, Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And then verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Now please note that God gave Abram credit for giving God the benefit of the doubt. That's exactly what this is. Because Abram had asked God for additional confirmation in the passages that followed. And that is when God made a covenant to Abram that he would keep his word. Sometimes all that we can muster up before God is the benefit of the doubt. You know why? Because he knows who we are. That's a small measure of faith. That's what the benefit of the doubt is. It's a small measure of faith. But it is faith nonetheless. You know, all that Jesus calls for us to have is what? A mustard seed size of faith. You've heard that many, many times before. When we begin to see events take place that remove all shadows of doubt about how God acts, we are now experiencing him at a much more intense level of trust and belief. Remember the words, help my unbelief? And where do you find those words? In the passage, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through I've got 27 listed. That's probably correct. Yeah, it is 27. Mark 9, 14, 27. When they, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. Remember, everything that Jesus shows us in Scripture are teachable opportunities. Mm -hmm. This teaching that's going on here. The disciples were learning. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And not to put Joanna on full blast, but she's asking me a question about how... Is this stuff happening and why is it happening? And is it something that, you know, is being allowed to happen? Is there a purpose? Well, I'm just paraphrasing what, what the conversation. It's a legitimate question. But understand what's going to happen after this to see where this goes. 
verse 19. Look at what Jesus says. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it fell immediately th- it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Let me explain something to you very clearly. Satan is real. And Satan has manifested himself in many different ways, including possession of people. So when you wonder why people do stuff that they do, do not discount for a moment as because that Satan or a spirit is possessing them. Don't discount that. Even though you're reading about it here, it happens today. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? So Jesus is doing this interrogation not for his benefit, but for the people who are witnessing this. From childhood, he answered, it has been it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Verse 23, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Guess what? That's us. That's everyone in this room. Everyone. We need that extra help sometimes. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up to his feet and he stood up. That healing was for people to see. The evidence of the healing needed to be shown for people to recognize what was happening. And all it, the lesson behind that is what? Having faith. The best evidence of Jesus' goodness is being a first-hand witness. He had a bunch of first-hand witnesses even though there was an issue of faith and believing. Your personal experience of his healing, his touch, his grace are all designed to help you along in your faith. Help you along in your faith. You have to see evidence. Abram, soon to become Abraham, had to also experience this firsthand when God provided the ram to be sacrificed in the place of his son, his only begotten son, Isaac. The Hebrew name of God for this is Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh Jireh. Everybody say that. Yahweh Jireh. The Lord will provide. That's the name of God. The Lord will provide. Abraham had yet another personal encounter with God to challenge his faith and make him even more resolute in his walk with the Lord. Remember, we're talking about human beings. Abram was fleshly. Sarah was fleshly. Hagar was fleshly. They were just like us. No difference. And they had to be taught in their own personal encounters with God as to how they would grow and progress in their faith. Remember, God made promise to Abraham the father of many nations. Well, that's a pretty hefty promise, isn't it? But in your flesh, you can't even grasp what that means. And I think Abraham had the same struggle with that. Verse Genesis 22 Verses 1 through 18, write down that passage. I'm going to go over it uh, rather quickly just to get through the passage. There's 18 verses, but they're all important because I want you to see the symbolism even within this passage. And by the way, the header in some of your Bibles says, Abraham tested. Tested. 
Because sometimes God does this to us to see where we are. And it's up to us to make sure that we're making the right choices. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Well, that's the first verse. <laughs> verse, yeah, I know. <laughs> he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he carried he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? <laughs> yes, my son. Abraham, <laughs> what are you doing? No, <laughs> your, your mind starts going, though, doesn't it? Yeah. You think about what's going on in his head. Because Isaac knew what was going on. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from him, to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. That is deliberate. That is deliberate. You can say your son by itself, and that's sufficient. But notice in this passage, your son, your only son, is referenced twice. That's being done for emphasis and for a teaching about Jesus. God's son, God's only son. Yes. But it also goes back to reference. Legitimately, he is the only son. That's right. Correct. Right. Not Ishmael. The legitimate son that was referenced here is Isaac. Remember? We just read it. Your offspring is not coming from the slave. It's coming from you. Through your wife. Verse 13. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son... Your only son, third time. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Make no mistake about this. You can write this down. Abraham had to pass God's test to receive God's provision. But didn't he already know what he was going to do? Did he? God knows everything, so didn't he know? That oh, God knew, yes. But yeah, I thought you were talking about Abraham. Usually God's tests aren't for God to see what we'll do, it's so for us to see what we'll do. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's the way I but you think he didn't make a decision till the last minute? Or close to God. No, the test was to see how far 
Abraham would go, and if he was being obedient to God, that's what I mean. So he well, didn't know that he was going to make the choice until he got there, or did he know from the get? Like he knew God was going to provide, but did he know that the lamb wasn't going to be there until he decided that he was going to go through with it with his son? Mm -hmm. Test. Yes. Go ahead, Pearl. I think to chime in with her question that sometimes we get distracted. Yeah. And we may be on the right road or track to begin with. Right. And he very well could have got distracted along the way. Maybe if Son had started asking too many questions, the uh, you know, the support that it took with him, uh, the men started, I mean, anything. So I think to what you're saying, if God wanted to see if I'm going to get off track, you know, that in, in that test, we sometimes get side rail, we take our focus off, okay. and we go far into the left sometimes, so then we get all off track and the whole thing could just go to poop, that blessing that sits right before us. And, and then we also have to remember that Satan, he comes to provide confusion. Yeah. To take your eye off like he did uh, with Eve. They, they were set up for life, you know, but... If God is all-knowing and all-seeing, of course he understands what will happen, but the test is not to see it's not to prove anything to God. It's for who? It's for you. Because sometimes, what is the whole premise of this discussion? You have little faith. Your faith, sometimes you give God the benefit of the doubt. That means you're having a measure of faith. But sometimes we have to grow when God shows us, through a circumstance or through a test, what the result will be. The provision was not going to take place unless God, unless Abraham did what? Pass the test. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it. God already knew what that You're talking about yeah. obedience now. That, yeah. His son, Dad, where's, where's the animal that we're going to sacrifice? Dad, where's the animal? Dad, where's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where's the animal? So where is the provision? Yeah. And then he, then he laid in and let him tie him up. Because he was being a good son. That's right. That's what I was saying. Obedience. He was being an obedient son. He allowed all that to happen. About that. Well, I'm just telling you, but that's what he said. Oh, okay. Well, you. That's you. He yes. has to give you a new Anne's been chopping at the bit. <laughs> but Abraham had enough faith because he told the people that went with him, We'll be back yeah. before he ever got there. That's so true. he was expecting God. He was expecting something, but he still had to do exactly what he was told to do. He was expecting to take his son's life. And that the Lord would uh, reward him for doing so. He didn't know that the Lord was going to stop him. No, I didn't say that. I said he had faith that they would both come back. That he was hoping they would both come back, but he was going to do what God said to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you remember Abram's Abram slash Abraham's track record up to this point, yeah. he didn't always listen very well. That's right. <laughs> he kind of oops. Sarah, Sarah, say you're my sister. Don't, yeah, don't that's right. So this really was for Abraham to see that he could be obedient to God right to the edge of what God said. That's right. And leave the consequences with God. Up to that point, he kept taking the consequences and trying to fix them. At that point, it was like, okay, Lord, you said do this. Yeah. And I'm sure he was sweating bullets by the time the knife was here. Because it's like, okay, God isn't stopping this. Yep. I'm tying him up. God hasn't stopped this. I'm laying him on the altar. God still hasn't stopped this. That's right. You know, this is getting kind of close to midnight, Lord. <laughs> and right before you're up. about to strike with then that knife, Abraham, Abraham. Yeah. That's right. Because God had to see exactly where Abraham's heart was. Lynn is absolutely right. Abraham's track record through that is not that great. Not that great. And yet God used Abraham... And gave him credit for righteousness because he believed even just a little. Mm -hmm. We got to see that. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit. Pardon me? Abraham needed to see it ultimately, but we need to see that too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Abraham kind of like reminds us of Christian. Yes. We all have the right answer. Yep. Until that moment. That's right. 
and God may take us right up to that moment. Right. But but we have all the right answers. I'm believing. I got to do this. Got to do that. Yep. But boy, when it comes to that moment, do you make your decision or do you allow God to make His? That's right. Do you understand what it is to experience God's provision? Now, it's not just about material things. It's much more than that. It starts with the understanding that God's provision is not limited to objects, actions, or circumstances. It's all about your root experiences with Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Name the many ways that the Lord provides for you. I know I just got through saying it's not just in physical things or material things. But name the many ways that the Lord provides for you. Those are all valid things, but it goes beyond just material things. He gives us peace. That's a provision. He gives us his word. That's a provision. He allowed me to recognize. He allows you to recognize he's given you wisdom and knowledge. That's a provision. What is it? Protection. Protection. That's very real. He's writing about us. He's writing about us. I would just have to see the parting. I would never doubt ever again, but even today is not as drastic. Or maybe it is the things that he's done, because you don't get to see him like the parting of the Red Sea, you know. Mm -hmm. you know? But we still like the things that he's done, like even for myself, you know, my surgeries, they said I wasn't going to make it up till here. Mm -hmm. And then we still sometimes doubt. It's mm -hmm. like, what do we have to see? For yeah. us just to just know that no matter what comes up, he's going to handle it. I mean, everything that you're describing, those words, those provisions, they relate to a name of God that we've discussed. Every single one of them. But that's your personal relationship based upon what? Your experience. Your experience. That's what you need to see here. Grace, mercy, peace, and salvation are intangibles but are all measurable when it comes to God's provision. We've looked at many names of Jesus Christ, most recently his names of shepherd, overseer, and provider, who gives wisdom, knowledge, grace, mercy, and peace, and paint a beautiful picture of the one who is Lord and Savior for all who seek him. To truly make a connection with Jesus, you have to open yourself up beyond a place of just accepting who he is or just acknowledging who he is. If you merely accept or acknowledge, you're not living effectively for him. You must have a deeper connection. Some of you will recognize this song, I'm sure.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, if some songs like this don't get you going, we need to check your pulse. Okay. Resuscitate you. <laughs> there must be, and I'm emphasizing this probably more than I ever have, there must be an emotional connection to Jesus Christ to effectively grow your relationship with Him. There must be an emotional connection to Jesus Christ to effectively grow your relationship with Him. Recognizing that He is your provider is a crucial step in this area. I promise you, Abraham was a different man after that last encounter with Isaac on that altar. <laughs> yes, exactly. Our final name is important for you to know that as Jesus keeps all his promises, his greatest one is that he is victorious over all sin and all that can thwart your relationship with him. Remember, Satan is already defeated. He must flee when you call on the name of the Lord. You have the victory. James 4, 7 the New Living Translation version of that says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? Amen. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The New Living Translation passage gives you the conditions of what God will do for you if you just humble yourself. And turn from the Lord, or turn from, turn from Satan. And he will run from you. Turn to the Lord. Turn away from Satan. Romans 16.20 The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Guess what? This is how winners speak. This is what winning is. This is what recognizing the victory means. It's winning. The final name of God for our discussion is Yahweh Nisi. Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. Say it all with me now. Yahweh Nisi. The Lord, our banner. Now, what's a banner? A banner is a sign of or a symbol that gives special distinction to the group that it represents. That's what a banner is. When you see a banner or a flag of a sports team, it has a distinct color, logo, and appearance that represents the location and symbolism of that team. We see it all the time. The banner is representative of that group. The passage that refers to the Lord as our banner is in Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16. Exodus 17, verses 8 through 16. Now, I'm going to be reading this passage before you, and I'm going to be reading uh, from the Christian Standard Bible. And the heading in that book, in the Bible, in that area, is about the Amalekites' attack. Sometimes you're going to be attacked, amen? You're going to be attacked because Satan is out to destroy you because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't always understand why, but we do know that he will do it. All right, so let's start with verse 8. At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us to go and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. There's a lot of symbolism in this passage. But check it out for what it's worth. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11, While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed... But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. 
Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Now the lesson. Verse 14. Then the Lord said then to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. See the symbolism? The hand is being lifted up to do what? To give honor and praise to the Lord. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. This set of verses inspires an old-time joke. I should have told my wife to pull out her rimshot button. Can you pull out the rimshot button? Sure. Okay, let's whip that out and be ready. I don't have the joke up yet, so. You ready? Sure. I just flew in from Charlotte, and boy, my arms are tired. There you go. That's right. Okay, very good. Um, That's what I think about when I read that passage. It's an old joke that they used to tell for, I don't know. Ages, yes. Pick a city, okay? Anywhere you flew in from, doesn't matter, Los Angeles, whatever it is. But we need to understand that that joke, it probably was not inspired by this passage, but it should be clear that the Israelites were not going to experience victory unless the Lord was given the proper credit, Mm -hmm. even during the battle itself. Mm -hmm. The Lord told Moses to record this event on a scroll as a reminder that in him, the people of Israel would remain victorious and that there will always be opposition from the Amalekites for as long as they exist. Guess what? The Amalekites, for what it's worth, is your opposition as in Satan. (coughs) The Amalekites were never following God, never chose to follow God, had completely not had anything to do with God, and that's why they were in contempt with God, and so therefore God held them in contempt. Here's the tipping point for many people who profess to love Jesus Christ. They need to know how to win. How to win. How to experience victory. In the midst of all kinds of adversity, we need to know how to win. They need to know what it is to win. Why is it that at times we play as though we are losing? We play as though we are losing. Yes, we will always face conflict and adversity in this world. It is a certainty in a fallen world. But Jesus is our rallying point. When we face difficulty, he's the one who helps us to overcome when our efforts are inadequate. He is our banner. 1 John 4, 4, the English Standard Version says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Remember, overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You have to act like a winner because you are a winner. That's the whole point. You've already overcome the world. He's telling you this in his word. 1 Corinthians 15:57 But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound like someone who's lost? Does that sound like somebody who's losing? Victory is victory. You already have victory. Winning is an attitude. Amen? Yes. Win- Amen? Amen. Winning is an attitude. For those... (laughs) Look, many of us are eager to root for our favorite sports teams and wear their colors. Amen? Amen? When the Cavs won the championship in 2016, everybody was wearing that championship shirt and proud to wear it. 
Sister Brown? <laughs> Are we ready now to show the world who we root for publicly when it comes to matters of faith? Matters of faith. What or who is your banner? Psalm 20, verses 5 through 8. Let us shout for joy at your victory and lift the banner in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your requests. Verse 6. Now I know that the Lord gives victory to his anointed. Gives victory to his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with mighty victories from his right hand. Some take pride in chariots and others in horses, but we take pride in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand firm. Amen? Amen. How powerful is that passage? That's telling you you already have the victory. The people who oppose you, they are already on the losing side. Don't give them the head up to make them think that they're winning. All the information we reviewed this weekend is a mere surface-scratching exercise when it comes to how God's names in Jesus Christ relate to you as an individual. There ain't no way in the world in a completion of a day like what we did between yesterday in the evening and today until now at 12 noon there's no way in the world you could cover a subject like this and be all inclusive this is just a surface scratcher but I hope it challenges you to do even more research and even look further into these names that we've discussed and even others that we didn't discuss no matter where you are or who you are or what you become, I challenge you that there is still much more for you to learn in Jesus Christ. His Holy Spirit that dwells within you, if you believe in him as Lord and Savior of your life, has been known to open exciting new ways for you to experience him. We have so much more to learn. We have so much more to see in him. As long as you have life and breath, he can teach you something. Amen? Amen. Your ongoing journey as a believer is well underway, and it is yet only just beginning. What names of God really stand out for you? Is he your provider? Is he your wonderful counselor? Is he your shepherd? Is he the prince of peace? Is he your healer? These names are all correct. He is each one of these and all of them, but perhaps only one of these names may mean something just for you. If it's all of them, or even just one, seek the Lord in his fullness with prayer and meditation by deep diving into your relationship with him now more than ever before. As sure as I stand before you, he's going to answer your prayers in ways that you could never imagine or consider. He will do it. It is his desire to get to know you more and understand more of who he is as you learn more about living in his image. Who remembers the acronym IMAGE that we've talked about? Some of you remember this. Who remembers? I investigate, not just reading God's word, but pouring through it and investigating it. M for meditating in his word because that's what you do in prayer after you've read. Amen? Amen? A for act. You act on his word and live according to what you've read and studied and how God is teaching you. G, you're going to grow because the Holy Spirit is going to teach you on a daily basis, if not hourly basis, as you're focused on him. And E, endure because for goodness sakes, you know that you got to get through life. But he, in his way, is going to help you with that. And that's a refresher course for some of you, because we've talked about this in past seminars. But it's something that we really need to pay attention to. And just for fun, I threw in this extra slide. You're packed with Jesus Christ. Anybody remember this one? 
Yeah. Your pact. What is your pact with Jesus Christ? Yeah. P stands for pray to him. A stands for asking him because sometimes you have to ask specifically what you would have him to do for you. C, consult with others who rely upon his wisdom and knowledge. Remember we talked about these mentors and these people in your life that you can do, deal with who have good advice, who have life experience that can help you through situations? Consult with them. God puts them in your life for a reason. To help you to get through situations. And T, trust that God is going to answer. Trust that he will answer you. He has answers for you. Those are all commitments. Everything we've just talked about is a commitment that Jesus Christ wants you to make with him. These are commitments that you make. And those are all actions that you have to do. Knowing the many names of Jesus Christ will help you in this process. Take home your notes and add them to your independent study. Let him show you more about yourself. He's the God who sees you after all. He sees you right now. And he's going to see you when you leave here too. And allow him to shape and mold you to become more complete in your pursuit of holiness and godliness before Jesus Christ. Praise to the Lord for what he's going to reveal to you and for what you become as a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you. That's it. Any questions? I do have a comment. Um, back to Psalms 20, verse 5. It says, again, May we shout for joy over your salvation in the name of our God. So our banners, um, I don't think there's any translation um, of scripture that actually gives the names of God. The, most, the majority of translations just say God. So I had to. I have the luxury of using Bible software, mm-hmm. so I had to look it up, and that in replace of God is actually Elohim. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I wish they just make a translation of, of all the names. Yeah. It helps us to helps us to understand where the Bible character, where the person who was writing this uh, passage, how he was relating to God. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a valid point, and that's something that we have to understand. That all of this we have to compile all the information we have based upon personal experiences as well. Too, you're right. Yeah, those extra names are there, but those names are there for a reason. It's for us to relate to God. Remember, we're talking about an unseen spiritual being that we don't know what his physical presence is except in that we were created in his image. So all we can do is go by how we appear, but we also know that God has manifested himself in different ways. That's amazing in itself. You had your hand up. You know what I was going to say? I just thank God that that we got so much truth today, so many things that you went over today in his word, or it's back to his word. Then we got a chance to look at ourselves, and you brought it out and made it so practical. And we know it's truth, and we saw God in a different way. This week, a pastor was going through the internet, and he pulled up a church that was in South Africa, and this pastor had told the people that they needed to be more holy. And so the holiness of their presence of their church and of the the surroundings of the church, the grass, they needed to get out and eat the grass, okay. and they would become more holy. Did I you see that? No, I did not, but I'm not surprised. And the people were actually on the ground eating grass, white, black, eating the grass to become more holy. Okay. And as I was sitting here, we've got this, and what yeah. you have given us today, and we can take it back, and we can chew on it, we can study on it, like you say, meditate on it. And how God has enriched us with what we've heard, and it's true. And we're not out eating the grass because somebody. No, not eating grass. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, that image thing 
I've stuck with that all this time because God gave that to me. I praise him for that. Because what that does is it spells out exactly what we as a people need to do. He is to be praised for that. This whole thing and this discussion about names of God, that's for his praise because he's the one who gave the information to provide to you today to look at how these names truly do impact you. They really do mean something. And yes, there needs to be more teaching, frankly, about that. I mean, just to relate to those very things. So I'm glad we could even just do a little bit this weekend like that. I think we should bring our Jehovah Witness friends to the next session. They won't come. Or maybe they, yeah, if they come, you know, look, I'll teach anybody. It doesn't make any difference to me, but I, I really, I can't tell you enough. I, I truly enjoy doing this every year. It's something that, it's an opportunity for me to just let the Lord do the talking to you guys. I mean, that's really what it is. Um, and I, I can't stress that enough. Does somebody else have their hand up? I'm just going to say a whole weekend. These words allow adjectives and nouns for us to perceive the actions or the persons that he really is. Yeah. That's right. And so, exactly. you know, they're either, you know, you say, um, sanctifier, healer, it just allows us to kind of comprehend, it's probably a better word, yes. what he is and what he's capable of. Yeah. And all those names have a Hebrew root that point back to them. That's the great thing to see, too. It's, it's all This is all Old Testament stuff for the most part. We did look at New Testament scriptures, but all those names have Old Testament roots. It's all in there. There's someone for everybody. There is something for everyone. someone for everybody. Well, right, because every name is not going to relate to everybody. It's just not. It's not practical to think that way, but all of them relate to someone. That's what we need to see here. That's how God revealed himself to you. That's right. And for us, it's a lesson for us to see, too. They're all Savior, healer, shepherd. Every one of them. Something for every need. Every need. And they're all active words. They're all and I only selected, like I said, just a. I didn't select all of them. There's many more of those. If you go and look them up, you would see them yourself. But for the content here, those are the ones that are related to what I wanted to express today. So it sounds like y'all got something out of this. So I, I appreciate that. Yes, sir. The emotional part. Yes. Yeah. Always check your emotion. Yes. That the emotions is coming forth from the word. Yes. Not from the world. <coughs> yes. Using highly emotional football. Yes. Exactly. The world, the world that causes you to become emotional about God. That's but right. The word of God. That's and the you point. See Him. Right. Exactly. Well, the, the words that we, we play for the songs express the direction of that emotion and where it should come from. Because even in that last praise song, you know, he's a wheel within a wheel. That's Well, that's from Scripture. That's, you know, and that wheel within a wheel thing in, in itself is a, is a mystery of God. That's something that is indescribable. It's something that doesn't really make sense in the world. But it's an understanding of who God is in his great mystery. And the direction, though, is that God is given the praise emotionally, because that's how you praise God. You give it him praise through your emotions, through your actions, through the things that you do. That's also the takeaway from that, too. Those songs, if they're treated the right way, you know, I... My sister Crystal here, she's very gifted. She's very modest. She's not going to blow her own horn. But she has a gift of music. And that gift expresses exactly what I just said. 
when you hear her sing. Absolutely. Just mm-hmm. get on class. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, you know, look, we're all, we're all family here. Hey, we're all family here. We all know each other. But, and that's not to make you sing. You know, I didn't make you sing. I didn't make you get up and do anything. But, but every one of you has a talent or a gift that God has given you. Mm-hmm. We're not all singers. Mm-hmm. I am. Careful now, because what's going to happen is that you're going to be challenged later. I'm not a good singer, but oh, yeah. I always see you challenge. You don't have to worry about that, challenge. Yeah. Brian, let you're going to cut this. It's going disintegrating quickly here. Thank you to all of you for everything, and now we're going to have the after-event uh, festivities here. Uh, Mrs. Gaines is going to be in charge of... You're calling. Oh, I'm calling the numbers? Yes, okay. you are.